0: We'll Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Evan Preparis. Brenna Calvert is not with us today. She is currently in Stratton, Vermont, on Build Crew for the North American OCR Championships. So we're gonna have her on, or actually, this will probably be released afterwards. So by the time you hear this, you'll probably already listen to the Brenna Calvert episode where we give a preview of NORAM Championships. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker. So Inside Tracker, you may have heard me talk about it with Rea Coble when she was on the podcast. They draw your blood at a local lab. So I went to Quest Diagnostics. Uh, Just super easy to schedule. You walk in, you know, five minutes later, they draw your blood, and then they send it off to a company, and then they actually analyze it and provide you feedback as far as your nutritional needs, you know, what you could improve and what where you're lacking things. So for endure the gauntlet, we're doing three tests. We're doing one beforehand, which is the one I just took. We're doing one immediately after to show the detrimental effects of ultra-distance OCR, and then a one a month later. So hoping it'll, one, show some science behind the uh, suffering, and then, two, allow me to recover and bounce back faster because we got you know a bunch of big races right around the corner, including World's Toughest Mudder after my uh, Endure the Gauntlet. So if you're interested in some of their programs, they, they have some pretty cool stuff. Go ahead and check out their website, insidetracker.com. All right. Today on the podcast, you know, when we started this podcast, we had a couple main goals. One was to give back to some of our sponsors that have been helping out support Conco on the pro team and strength and speed, uh, which I think we've been doing pretty good. Two was to support and showcase some of the local or smaller OCR series, which I also think we've been doing pretty good uh, this year. And then three, was I believe that lessons for OCR have already been solved from other sports. So I really wanted to bring in other athletes from outside of the OCR world and bring in some of those lessons learned and try to apply them to OCR. So today on the podcast, we have a cage fighter. So um, I should have asked to pronounce his name beforehand, but Michael Edsit, is that right? That is correct. All right. Michael Adsit is on the podcast. Uh, So 22 years ago, he was a former cage fighter who was 2-2. and So he did two fights through a promoter and two fights underground. Uh, Decided to get out of fighting for his health. He's now 47 with three kids. Uh, He's been married for 18 years. And he recently found OCR this year. So he's super excited about it. And Miles Keller introduced us. So I figured we'd do a podcast. So, Michael, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Evan. Thanks for having me on.
0: Cool. So cage fighter, I mean, that's a... That's an interesting fitness choice, so how did that start?
1: (laughs) Oh man, uh, where do I begin? Um, I'd have to say that uh, uh, six, seven years old, um, I was never a violent person growing up, just for the record. I don't think I'd ever been in a fight in my life, but maybe once. Um, I used to go downstairs in the basement in our house, and uh, our grandma lived with us. And I remember her watching these old polka shows on TV, you know, I went, when uh, I had to get out of my parents' hair, I'd go down my grandma. And after the polka shows was, like, uh, pro wrestling, and they would have, uh, like, the Super Destroyers, uh, Dick the Bruiser, uh, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, all these big names back in the day. And uh, they'd have these cage fights. And my grandmother was just passionate about pro wrestling to the point where she would throw things at the television and, uh, she kind of had this, uh, European accent and she would like curse the TV and scream at the, uh, scream at the wrestlers. And I I watched this and I'm like, wow. And I kind of fed off of her energy. And, um, so when mom and dad were gone, I'd go upstairs and, uh, I'd get out my, uh, all my stuffed animals and my brothers like Winnie the Pooh's and I'd find empty boxes and I'd try to recreate all this stuff that I was watching on TV. And I'd get up on top of the couch, and you know my parents are up in heaven thinking, oh, my God, you did what? Uh, <laughs> and I would, I would jump off the top of the couch and do, like, elbow smashes onto, like, Paddington Bear and Winnie the Pooh. And, and I would just beat these things up, and I'd make my own crowd-roaring sounds. And, and it was it was just really crazy. I had all this energy for wrestling. I just, I, the cage matches, I just thought it was, I was fascinated by it. And so, fast forwarding, in, in grade school, we were introduced to wrestling in third or fourth grade, something like that. And uh, my parents always hated this because they, they, they worked hard for the clothes that I'd wear at school. And whenever wrestling came around, they knew it. Because I was, I would always find a way to tear a hole in the crotch of the wrestler jeans uh, that they bought me, and I'd have to come home and explain why they were ruined. You know, while Mom and was wrestling, and uh, so you know, but they enjoyed they they enjoyed the fact that I was liking it. My PE teacher saw that I had a pretty good gift for it, and he caught me in the playground and said, "Hey, how would you feel if your parents would allow you to come up to the junior high and maybe practice with some of those guys?" Because you seem to be pretty good at what you're doing out there, and I thought it was a great idea. And I did a couple times, my parents weren't too uh, perceptive on the idea of me continuing this. They figured I'm too young; just let it ride its course, and then when I get into junior high, you know why? Why then I can I can wrestle, and that's what I did. I went into junior high, wrestled, then got into high school, and wrestled, and that was a. Uh, So wrestling was definitely a foundation that I grew up with. I played football, too. I was a two-sport athlete. Uh, I don't think I could have handled three sports after uh, football and wrestling. But, um, yes, I wrestled in high school, and I I was really good my sophomore year. I had a really good year. And towards the end of that year, I uh, went up a level to the varsity. So I started wrestling varsity at the end of my sophomore year. And um, I think through transitions of football and wrestling – and going into my uh, senior year, I, I had some colleges that were interested in me. In my junior year, I started getting letters, and they showed interest. And then, sometime during football, my senior year, I had an injury where I had uh, pulled my groin really bad. And and you know, like I mean, in any kind of athletic, uh, anything that you're doing that's athletic, you need your core. Right. And I didn't, I didn't have a core. Uh, I, so when I was on the bottom in wrestling, I, I couldn't even get myself back up. You know, the match was practically done, and I had, I had a mediocre at best year, um, my senior year. So you know, the, the letters quit coming. You um, know, it was kind, it was kind of, uh, kind of depressing to me. I didn't, um, in quite frankly, I, I look back at those times, I was, uh, I think I was burnt out. I think I suffered from just burnout from the sports because it, I mean, even at that young age, you don't think that you could get burned out, but you know, I did. And I had a phenomenal wrestling coach, uh, Mr. Zaboznik. Um, he was a second father to me. I mean, this guy taught me more about life than he ever did wrestling, which I'm forever grateful for. And you know, I, I love that man. But, um, you know, he kept me strong through those tough times and I persevered and, uh, and another thing I, you know, I, I kind of joke around about with my with my friends is that uh, I went to my first rock concert in high school. I went to go see Rush, and uh, also being a band geek, um, I didn't realize that drums could be played that way. Hearing uh, Neil to play, and I was I was fascinated by that, and I wanted to pursue uh, playing drums. So I had other interests come on, and um, after school. Uh, since I wasn't going to wrestle in college, I decided. You know what? I'm going to go in the military. That's what I'm going to do. You know, I was watching the movies like Heartbreak uh, Ridge, and I was I was so gung ho. And I'm sorry. You were in. Are you? You were in the Navy, Evan, or I'm sorry, the Army.
0: I'm I'm in the Army still. Yep.
1: Okay. I I apologized. I wanted to be a grunt. Okay. I wanted <laughs> to be, I wanted to be a Marine. I wanted to do the obstacle courses. I wanted to do that so bad I could. I could rip out twenty one pull ups. I wanted to be a drill instructor and all that. And then when I went to uh, Meps to uh, enlist, uh, they found that I had like chronic uveitis and which was really minor. But they were cutting back; they weren't really enlisting a lot of people. So because of that, I had a uh, a permanent discharge uh, medically. So I never got into the military. Thus, I went into the workforce. Well, after I would you know after a few years of working and. You know, playing in bands, I I pursued that. I was playing in bands. I I had hair down to the middle of my back with earrings, and it was just crazy. I played the Chicago uh, nightclub circuit for a couple years. Um, Something was missing, and I just wasn't sure what. Uh, So I decided to uh, take up martial arts. I'm like, you know what, Mike, you've been away from uh, sports for a while. You know, maybe you need to get your butt back in shape, you know, because I've been you know, nutrition wasn't even a concept to me back then. You know, I was at the age where I lived on fast food, macaroni and cheese, and just anything I could pretty much get my hands on at the time. But uh, I started taking hot keto. And um, through that, um, they, they taught uh, some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I was introduced to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which was, it, it, to me, was incredible because with all the background and wrestling that I had, once I was taught the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it came. It became like magic to me, and it, it came. Everything flowed, really good. But how, still, how did I get in to Ultimate Fighting? In high school, I worked at a movie theater, and I worked with this kid. And during our break times, we'd go to our you know back in the eighties, our famous video games that were out there. I was a Galaga guy. I played nice. Galaga. Yeah, I had all the, I had unlimited quarters, and we, man, I rocked that thing, and I tried doing it, actually, last year, I found a gala gun. I, I don't have the touch any longer, but this other guy played this, like, real lame karate game, and, I'm, and he's getting into it and doing the hit moves, and I'm just like, dude, man, you, 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 you like this? This is so lame. And he goes, oh, no, look at this, look at this hit. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever, you know, you, whatever you enjoy, that that's all good, and uh, when I went to this Hapkido Jim, he was there, and we were much older than him. we hadn't seen each other in eight years. And I go, his name's Michael also, and Michael Johnson. I said, Mike, how are you doing? He looks at me all tough. I'm like, don't you remember me? And when I ref- when I you know refreshed his memory, he goes, Oh yeah, how are you doing? So we got talking. Well, his father was is a um, was a taekwondo instructor who knew people, and I found out that this Mike guy was fighting in a no holds barred match. In Chicago. So I went and watched him, and I will quite honestly say, through all the years of uh, cage fighting, ultimate fighting, uh, Bellator, whatever's out there, that first fight that I ever saw with him in it was probably, uh, I don't want to use the word horrific, but he got beaten to a pulp. He went out there with a full gi on and figured the guys are going to grab onto it like he wanted. He, He had Loved the Gracies. He was a huge Gracie fan, as I am, and um, he went in there and just got beat up. He could almost, on the video, just hear his skull, almost like the cheekbones almost shatter from headbutts. It was, it was horrible. And um, the guy on top started getting tired, and I and I kid you not, Mike just stayed calm, and in the end, um, got him in a, a leg choke, around the head. And started unleash and throws right to his head, and he came on on top. He was unable to finish, um, or, or unable to continue because back then it was all tournament style. There was no one and done fights like they have now. And uh, I watched this in in my mind. I'm like, you know what? I could do this. And I and I loved the energy of the crowd and and just I, I was just totally enthralled by this. And um, I did. And that, that's how I got into it. Um, my first fight I had was at uh, I don't know what it's called now, but back then it was called the Mark. It was an arena. It's an arena that's in Moline, Illinois. And, uh, boy, you thought I hit the big time because when I walked in there, there's this arena with this cage in the middle. And I looked up at the, uh, the big screen, and uh, Van Halen was coming next week. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. You know, I could care less about the fight. I'm thinking, man, I hit the big time. Van Halen's coming next week. You know, and uh, but um, the the fight, the it was really it was really really crazy because I can remember um, you know meeting the fighters. You know, we're, we're all we're all good guys. You know, you know don't get don't get me. There's a lot of smack talk nowadays. These kids. I just think that uh, I think a lot of them should just keep their mouths shut and go out there and. Uh, let their you know, fighting do the talking. But um, you know, we were all pretty good guys. We all knew each other pretty well, um, and there were no rules back then at all. The only rules were you couldn't uh, bite and you couldn't gouge the eyes. Um, we had a gentleman's agreement that uh, you would never um, you know punch or kick the groin, and that was just pretty much a given. We just we didn't do that, um, but. You know, I know nowadays you, they don't allow you know knees to the body when somebody's down on their knee. It didn't matter if you were on the ground; you could knee somebody's head. It was just really, really crazy. Yeah, so
0: it's like the first couple. Of, the first couple UFCs that was the rules, right? Like I think it was one through three or something, and then they, I think four and five, they started adding more rules in.
1: That's exactly right. Why? Because the grapple. Because, and I'm not kidding you. I see. I came in right at the time where I was like you know why could I do this because these guys are strikers and punchers I'm a wrestler I know where the fight ends up I have an advantage and wrestlers caught on to it real real quick thus what UFC 4 and 5 they started making time limits because nobody wanted to see Hoist Gracie on his back getting beat up by Ken Shamrock for 25 minutes when they're spending right. 100 bucks on a pay per view so um, but yeah uh, it was a tournament style too and so once you, once you uh, won, uh, you weren't done. You went on to the next fight, and sometimes there were three fights a night. Uh, the particular fight at DeMarc, uh, there were only four of us in a bracket, so there were only two, and my first fight was against Jeremy Horn. And Jeremy Horn went on to uh, make a very good name for himself. He was an extremely hard worker, a good kid, comes from a, comes from a good family, he went on to the UFC and made a really good name for himself. Uh, that particular fight that I had against him, um, he I, I felt in control. I, I, I didn't, uh, if for those of you that want to look it up, it's on YouTube. I think it's about the only footage that I I have of anything with me fighting. So um, it's on YouTube. You can look me up. But uh,
0: Yeah, what, once we put out this podcast, uh, send me the link and I'll... I will share it to the strength and speed page on Facebook. Yeah, that's
1: fine. That's fine. And um, I, I felt in control. I, w- I was in. I was in good shape. Uh, he. Um, I, I was getting a little frustrated with how we were moving around. I had him up against the cage, and he was holding on to it. He would not let me drag him off. So I started using my heel, and I started taking my heel and hitting his foot with it.
0: And I was trying to,
1: like, get him off step so I can take him back down to the ground. Now, on this particular video, I think the person that did it put music behind it, but you, you know, so you can't hear it. But in the real video, uh, the, the video was taken. The camera was probably about a good 25 yards back. You could hear where I missed his foot and my own heel hit the mat. You could hear the thud over the crowd. And uh, I was wondering the next day, why was my heel so sore? You know, and uh, it, that was why because I shattered a couple of, you know, kind of bone spurs in my in my heel because I, I'd missed. You know, but he caught me in a triangle choke and threw some elbows in there, and uh, that that was it. It was it was really quick, and I remembered um, before the fight, it was really crazy. It was like the movie Gladiator. They don't want you out there walking around watching the fights. They want you backstage, and you could hear the roar of the crowd. You see these fighters. Getting introduced, going out, and you hear the roar of the crowd, and then they're coming back. They're all bloodied up and they're bruised. It was something out of a movie, and then I wasn't getting nervous, but I was like, okay, game on, game on. You know, I was, I was ready for this. But um, I'll be honest with you, after after that particular fight, my heart had never pounded so hard in my life. I, I in, in all honesty, when I was backstage, I was glad that I lost because I didn't think that I could go back out there without having a heart attack. You
0: know? <laughs> so that was your first one, and then how did, if you're that shooken up by it, how did you end up going out for, what apparently was three more?
1: Oh, well, well the, second, the second one um, was against Paul Wells, and that was at, I, I don't remember really where that was at, it was at an oversized bar with kind of like a little mini stadium type scene, coliseum type place. I don't know. But anyhow, uh, about four days prior to that fight, I developed something that was really bad. I had like a to 103 degree fever maybe. And I was miserable. I went into the ER to get horse pills. I'm like, do what you got to do to get rid of this because I got a fight and whatever. They're like, you're not fighting. I'm like, well, I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I need to get rid of it. They don't look too kindly on you if, you know, they promoted your name to be in a fight. And all of a sudden, oh, I've been sick. I can't show up. So, needless to say, I showed up and I held my own. I went out there for five minutes and I just started getting gassed. I didn't have the energy left in me. And because of that, I started taking hits to the head. I gave him my back. I turned my stomach to the ground. I mean, I wasn't, he couldn't choke me out because I have no neck to begin with. So he just started throwing elbows, and the video at the time was showing my head bouncing off the mat, and my corners didn't think I was even going to lose. They're looking for the towel, and they couldn't find it. So I saw him scrambling, so I, I tapped out. I, 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 I went with it, and I just tapped out. I'm like, I'm I'm, not, I'm getting my head beat to a pulp. I'm surprised he didn't stop it ahead of time, but, you know, so that was my second loss.
0: All right, so now, now you're 0-2. What's your mindset moving forward?
1: Uh, oh my God! I was like, this is crazy. What am I doing? You know, I I, I wasn't sure what I, I wasn't sure what to do. I didn't know if I wanted to keep going on with it, or if I wanted to. Um, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I got a phone call at the house. There was a gentleman that called and said that they were um, having tryouts for uh, uh, for for like a a fighting circuit that was going to go around the country. And they were really interested in me coming. They knew I was a grappler. They liked my style, and they pretty much just really buttered me up to come. And there's going to be other fighters. They said we're going to have fighters from, you know, Kung Fu to uh, Taekwondo. And I'm thinking, well, geez, if you're going to bring these guys in, you know, that's great. Uh, And and just for the record, the highest belt I ever received was like yellow it was like the second belt up in Hapkido. I, I, I owned no belts at all. It was, belts are just really a, uh, level of discipline because when it comes to a fight, you know, it, it, the, the game changes really. But, um, so they told me this address in Chicago and, um, they said, we'll worry about the promoting and everything. You show up at this time, blah, 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 blah. So I brought my gear, trained, showed up and, uh, it was in this warehouse. It was kind of shady. It was really weird. It was uh, on the south side of Chicago. It wasn't really a a great neighborhood, I would say, but it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it was it wasn't the best. And I went downstairs in this basement. The guy introduced himself. Said, "Here's the locker room and whatnot." We got a man out there, and when we call you guys, you know, you can come out there. And it was basically an audition for uh, bigger things, that as I was told. So I went out there, and my first fight. I went up. I, I, I wish I remembered their names, uh, but I don't. Um, the first fight I went up against a guy that was in taekwondo. I don't think he had any kind of grappling experience at all, because uh, I clinched right away and took him down and pretty much passed him out with a rear naked choke uh, pretty instantly. Nice. Yeah, that would that was yeah, that was actually uh, that was painless, I should say. That was nice. Um, and then I had about a half hour until my next fight and then I went up against the guy that was a kung fu expert he came out here with like uh what was this crazy like stance or something I'm like okay whatever and, and also for the record I am not a striker a puncher or a you know I I, I, I hit like a girl <laughs> so I, I don't punch at all very good so if I get you to ground I'm an, you're gonna have you know, problems but you know standing up boxing forget it I'm not that guy but um I was able to get him to the ground, rolled around a little bit, and uh, it was a problem for him because I got on a rear or I got on a uh, a front mount uh, on top of him, and uh, he was trying to get out of it and could go nowhere. He knew not to give me his back because I'd choke him out, so he stayed face up, and I just started throwing an onslaught of punches right to his head, and I busted his nose right away. I knew it because his blood the the blood just started squirting. Um, I started throwing elbows and just the energy, and I looked up at the guy that was officiating, like, hey, are you going to stop this? And he says, no, keep going. So I kept going, you know, because the adrenaline's flowing, and my, he, the guy looked like he was dead. And uh he, he was out cold, and they finally stopped it, and uh, that was it, you know. And I, I think I got paid 50 bucks for the day, uh, which was, I don't know, for nice. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly right. Um, when all was said and done, and I look back at it, it I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was what they told me it was. I don't think it was any kind of audition. I think it was a guy that got together a bunch of people that were in suits and dresses, and they were gambling and drinking. And I think it was more or less for their entertainment type thing.
0: Yeah, like a private UFC party. <laughs>
1: It, it Exactly, you know, and I was. It was a little. It was a little spooky for me. I didn't. Um, I. I, I wasn't. Uh, I was kind of scared. I. I didn't. You know, because I came from a small country town, you know, that was not my style at all. So, you know, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after that. So I came out, you know, with a two and two record, and, um, you know, some of the things that I dealt with after these fights. Uh, after the, after Jeremy Horn fight, uh, I, the next day I was nauseous. Um, I would walk in a straight line. The next thing you know, my, my she's my wife now, but my girlfriend she's with me would have to grab me because I would totally start walking sideways. I had no balance. My equilibrium was completely off. Um, yeah, I, I suffered concussions uh, from the hits to the head. Yeah. This this was before, pro, you know. Concussion protocol was out there and and whatnot, and I got thinking about that. I'm like, well, why don't they have that in fighting? You know, well, there's there's too much money in it.
0: Uh, they would have had
1: it in boxing years ago. There's uh, there's unions for football, and you know, so these guys are you know, you know, going up against the owners and this and that. But in fighting, you know, you're out there for yourself, and you don't hear anything about these fighters now. You know, all these big names that were out there, you know, back in the day, you know, you're not hearing anything about them now, and I would be willing, and this is just my opinion, this isn't the opinion of UFC or whatnot, but um in another five or ten years, you're going to start hearing some really nasty horror stories of some of these uh, has per se, or fighters that are, that are uh, no longer fighting. Uh, I saw a guy uh, urinating blood from being kicked in the kidneys too many Oof. times. Um.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is if there's always another person willing to take your place, you know, they'll just be like, "All right, you want to complain about stuff? We'll just move on to the next guy, and someone else will get in the ring for their, you know, a exactly. couple thousand dollars."
1: Oh, exactly, and the money ain't even worth it. And there's people out there that are trying to raise families on it, and I'm just like, ugh.
0: So kind of interesting. I saw a uh, like a couple-minute YouTube clip from a hockey player. Who has like severe TBI, uh, traumatic brain injury, and yep. he was like, yeah, you know, he'd won several Stanley Cups, and he's like, I would give all those Stanley Cups back. He's like, just to be normal again, and it was like, damn, uh-huh. you, you know, kind so of like uh, grounds people. especially when you when you're in a sport and you're going for it, you know, it's like it's like the most important thing in the world, and you feel like you'd give almost anything to get to that next level. So, it,
1: it, and that's exact, and that's exactly. Uh, that's exactly right. You know, and you talk about that mindset. To mindset going into the fights, you know, I, w- you know, the words of re- relentless. I mean, I was, uh, you know, un- I mean, you had a controlled frenzy, but you were uncontrollable. I wasn't afraid of anybody or anything. I'm only five nine, and I would only weighed about two hundred and fifteen pounds at the time. Um, but the guys that I was training with were. Uh, you know, linemen at the University of Tennessee and the University of Illinois weighed over 300 pounds, and you know, kind of like the movie, uh, oh, what is it, uh, Talladega Nights, uh, where the kid says, Grandpa, I'm going to climb you like a spider monkey. That That's essentially what I was doing to these guys. I would, you know, climb them and choke them out, and it was scary because they were getting frustrated, and then they wanted to hurt me, and I'm like, no, don't, don't hurt me, just be my training partner, please. You know, but, um, yeah, I wasn't afraid of anything or anybody. Uh, I was out there to uh, do my stuff. And, you know, I don't want to say if I killed you, I killed you. But, uh, you know, if something like that happened, you know, you made the choice to go out there. And uh, that that was my mindset. then. I look back at it now, and it's kind of frightening. You know, it's because um, people that know me, it, this is what's so fascinating about the seven is because, I tell I tell people that I you know I don't I don't even really talk about it much anymore. But when it comes out that yeah, Mike used to be a cage fighter, and nobody believes it at all. <laughs> the, the wrestling part of it, they're like, yeah, I can see you You still look like a you're forty seven. My my God, you still look like you're a wrestler. But the fighting, they, because I because I wouldn't hurt a fly, you know, I'm, I'm one of the kindest souls that you'd ever meet, and uh, they don't get it. And you know, sometimes I use that to my advantage. Because I'm like, you know what, good. Remember that when you uh, get me mad. <laughs> so, but uh, no, I, I, I don't at all. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a very nasty time set or a mindset back at that time.
0: Uh, on some level, I can relate. I've never I've never done actual fighting. I mean, I've done some combatives uh, training for the military. But when I look back on some of my deployments, a little bit different. But like daily for a year, like I thought about killing people on a daily basis, right? Like legitimately going out and shooting someone in their face. Like when I look back on that, I think of, it just seems like, it seems like an unhealthy mindset to have um, spread out over a long period of time uh, and for multiple trips. So uh, I can relate on some level.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I've got a friend that uh, years ago that went over to Kuwait and uh, I did Bible study with him in one of the most, uh, uh, most faithful men I'd ever known in my life, and uh, he came back a different guy, and uh, never the same, you know. And it was just re- it really, really frightened me. But yeah, he didn't talk about it too much, nor did I want him to.
0: All right, so now let's talk about your training. What did your training look like when you were preparing for these fights?
1: Okay, are you are you ready to laugh? <laughs> this this is this is really crazy because um,
0: training
1: back. Then for something like uh, MMA. it wasn't even called mixed martial arts MMA. Uh, they had the, it wasn't even the UFC. It was the Ultimate Fighting Championship, no holds barred. So you got guys that were you know coming out of the bars, who had some you know martial arts experience. Uh, one particular uh, venue that I was at, um, I just got done eating. Not uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Portillo's. It's a Chicago dog place that uh, I grew up on. But uh, I had a ton of ton of hot dogs and fries. I think I had a chocolate shake. And I went to this fight to go watch, and they didn't have a fighter show up, and they wanted to know if I could go in there. And I contemplated. I'm like, yeah, I want to fight. But I'm like, oh, that would not look good if I, <laughs> I vomit my dinner everywhere, you know. Um, so n- nutrition was just – it wasn't – i had horrible nutrition i i I didn't really i wasn't taught good nutrition back then uh training i used to grapple and go to have keto three times a week and and at the time i was working midnights so this would uh go on during the mornings um i do weights five times or yeah five times a week i was doing weights because i was still old school i figured you know I got to be strong i got to go in there i got to power my house through this stuff you know and that was really overkill i and i look back at it now uh cardio uh, three times a week um I, I get on the stairmaster we didn't really have a ton of ellipticals then uh we had stairmasters at some of the health clubs that i would get on um they had a running track and i hate running i running is not my thing I think I'd do a mile and say, okay, I'm good. I think I'll go do something else. So um, I relied solely on my grappling skills when it came to conditioning. Uh, but one thing I was pretty passionate about was uh, something that was easier on me with my cardio was I, I swam. I'd do a lot of swimming. Um, i do laps uh, above water, and i do laps underwater too and people are like well geez why would you do something crazy like that and hold your breath i said well when somebody's got their arm around you and they're choking you out and you got to remain calm you got to be able to hold your breath for a little bit you know? yeah
0: you have to get used to that hypoxic feeling because the first time it hits you you get people get panicky even though they they still have several you know another 20 seconds before they're going to black out right right
1: and, and usually that works well with like rear naked chokes unfortunately for me when jeremy horn caught me he caught me with a grapevine with the legs and my head was ready to pop like a grape, so I didn't stand. I didn't stand much of a chance there. But um, you know, one of the things, and, and then on Sundays, sometimes we'd get together, and uh, and this was new to me. This is very. This is a part of my life now, but this was new to me. We would get together, some of us guys, on Sundays, and we would do um, circuit training, kind of like a hit training with. Uh, Body bags and a little bit of grappling, and I I mean that swore me out. I mean I had never really done anything like that before. You know they talked in PE when I was in high school about, uh, oh you should do circuit training where you go thirty seconds on and fifteen off, and this and that's great for you. And I'm thinking you guys are a bunch of pansies. Who's going to do that? You know that that it was it just wasn't a part of our uh, uh, most of our culture then at the time. You know. So, you know, I I did a lot of that. Um, And then then as far as, like, supplements, you know, I I didn't, I really didn't take anything. A scary thing, though, was that, uh, and I'm I'm not speaking for all fighters. I knew some, and I would never bring up names. But um, one of the real, real popular supplements back then was ephedrine. And we would take this uh, with coffee. You know, just to kind of give us that little bit of edge, not really knowing what it was doing to us, and I think a lot of that had to do with why my heart was racing so hard after I had uh, after I had fought against Jeremy Horn. You know, thinking I was going to have a heart attack. Uh, I didn't take any before that fight or anything like that, but uh, that was that was really really popular back then, and. Uh,
0: I mean that was popular up until like the late 90s I think. I don't think it was banned until uh you can't probably like get, 2000.
1: Exactly. You can't get it anywhere. Yeah, you can't you can unless it's uh unless it's prescribed I would guess. I don't know, but yeah. But you know that that became an addiction for me too. I mean that was uh that was that was really really bad and um I uh I mean I was able to cut it and everything, but it was uh that stuff's nasty, I mean, and, and there were a lot of people doing it, you know. Uh, because how do you, you know, even NFL players, you know, they got to be on some kind of pain meds because how can you, back before they had sod, how can you go out there week after week and take a beating on AstroTurf like nothing had ever happened, you know. I mean, that, that, that I mean stuff like that, you know, you, you had to do something, and that was what, what a lot of fighters were doing back then.
0: All right, so let's start transitioning more towards OCR. So, you know, based off your fighting experience, what's the best lesson you think you can pull out of that for OCR, whether that be for open wave athletes or for maybe guys going for the more elite level trying to win races?
1: Oh my gosh, this is a tough question. But you know what? I thought about it, and I would have to say, if anything, is patience. Um, learning to be patient uh, and focus, learning to be patient and focus. Um, wh- when you're fighting, you have obstacles coming at you 100% of the time, whether it's your conditioning, whether you have punches or kicks being thrown at your head, uh, you know, that constant, you um, pressure that you know that 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 grappling you're constantly moving the that force uh learning how to uh that constant thinking of how am i going to counter move this or what am i going to do now i mean it's just constant uh the roar of the crowd the screaming people telling you do this you know it's just crazy all this stuff coming at you you'd be surprised how much easier it is when you block all that out and you just focus and you and breathe you know learning how to breathe learning how to keep calm you know under pressure and i think for ocr that that's one of the things that ocr has taught me you know and i i do meditation and but like i said you know i am not a i'm not a runner but what breathing has done has taught me how to how to listen to my breath how to listen to my heart how to hear where how everything's working hearing nature um just listening and being totally focused on what I'm doing. in in OCR, you know, you don't have people throwing punches at you. The worst that's going to happen is you're going to hit the ground or you're going to have some wood up, your, up the side of your gutter, rope burn or something, you know. But, um, you know, yeah, that's what uh, I mean, That that's what I'm thinking, just, you know, remaining calm and enjoying it and just, and just loving it.
0: Well, one of the things I think is interesting about MMA is just the number of different disciplines you can practice on, right? I mean, you can you can practice your jujitsu or hapkido or striking, you know, and I, that kind of reminds me in some aspects of OCR where, you know, if you spend too much time running or focusing on strength training, you might, you know, might have trouble with the running or if you spend too much time on the obstacles or, you know, vice versa, you know, you spend too much time running, you, you have trouble with the obstacles because now your upper body is a little bit more weak. So I think it's, the balance there is somewhat comparable.
1: I, I totally agree with you. Um, Yeah, because, and especially with fighters now, I could never do it uh, if I wanted because these guys are really, really well-rounded. Uh, they can kick, they can punch, they can grapple, they can do it all. Um, I wouldn't last a second in there against some of these young kids right now. But, yeah, that, that, that's what I like about the OCR is that I can uh, – it's 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 all around i can focus on you know getting back some of the strength that i've lost through the years and my shoulders and certain things and it's just my overall fitness level has improved incredibly And, and quite frankly i feel a lot better in shape now than i even did back when i was fighting
0: cool so how did you end up finding ocr
1: oh my gosh this is really funny Um, so, you know, I've taken my dad at, at, uh, working out, you know, through the years, you know, let's fast forward. I got married and had three kids and, uh, I'd take, I'd take cage fighting again any day over raising three kids. (laughs) But uh, uh, No, I'm just kidding. I love my children to death, but, uh, you know, I sat on the couch for the better of 12 years, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of things happened to the body. In the meantime, you know, I developed type two diabetes um I manage it. I was work, you know, I work out and uh my wife didn't notice anything. She's you know, she was getting frustrated. She's like, Mike, all I see you do is working out and I'm not noticing anything. She was just you know, hounding and nagging like wives do sometimes to us us guys, you know, you know, we wanna be left alone, we're working at it, we're trying, you know, we're using every excuse in the world. And um she's jealous because she doesn't have somewhere where Because I work out where I work, so I have a fitness center there, so I'll do weights and cardio there, she doesn't really have anywhere where she could work out at. So I'm like, you know what? Well then do something about it. Quit arguing with me about it and do something about it. So we got all caught up on our bills and she did. She went and bought a membership and I said, You spent what? So (laughs) she went out and got herself a membership and joined this gym and uh, I noticed a change in two weeks. And I'm like, Wow, that's amazing. Good for you. And she's like, well you know what? They have a couples challenge coming up and uh, it's a transformation challenge where you could lose some weight. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I said, I lived on the scale for years. There is no way you are going to get me to do any kind of challenge or any kind of weight loss. I know what I'm doing. I know what I, how to work out. I don't need somebody telling me. And I was very adamant that that, that was not going to happen. And uh, I was at work, and I was thinking about it. And I'm like, who are you fooling, you know? <laughs> I need to do something. So I called Kristen up and said, Kristen's my wife. I said, hey, you know what? Go ahead. If there's a room in that challenge, go ahead and not enroll me. That That's fine. I'll do it with you. It might be good for the both of us, you know. I'll uh, be a good uh, marriage-building character. So um, I did that. And uh, the very first week, I lost 25 pounds. It Oof. was my body had so much Water weight. Um, it, it was just I was in that bad of. I was almost 300 pounds. Um, I, I was in really really bad shape. I had an A1C of 13.1. Um, right now it's at 5.4. It's it's, it's really really good. Um, but uh, yeah, the first week I, I I lost 25 pounds, and then I'm like, you know what? Game on. I went into wrestling mode. I'm like, okay. I got this. I know how to do it because the winner want to cruise for two to anywhere they wanted to go, you know, in the world pretty much. So, um, and that's what happened. In a period of six weeks, I lost uh, fifteen inches, seven uh, percent body fat, and forty-four pounds.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah, boy, I, I'm telling you. And you know what? I worked for every bit of that, man. I ran. I, I mean, I, I, like I said. I went in, I did everything that I should have been doing back in the day. So it was like redemption for me. Um, and we won. We won a cruise. I went down to uh, uh, Honduras, Belize, Costa Maya, Cozumel, and it was like a second honeymoon for us. And so now my, my focus in fitness has changed. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. And one of the guys at work has said, hey, have you ever seen that Broken Skull Challenge? I'm like, no, what's that? Oh, it's on CMT. You should watch it. So, you know, we talk shows. So I turned it on, and I see Steve Austin. I'm like, oh, this guy's a hoot. Listen to this, you know. And I'm watching it, you know. And I see these guys wrestling, grappling. I think at the time I watched it, um, oh, I'm, I'm drawing I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Hackenbarth was on there. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's fit, man. This guy's got a lot of leverage. Look at him. There's a part of me that would, and I had no idea. Miles did that. That's crazy. I, I had to have seen him and just didn't even <laughs> know it. But,
0: uh, well, you're you're breaking Brenda's heart right now because she loves to talk broken skull because she's been on it twice. So,
1: oh, has he? Oh, well, this is my, I'll tell you what I I have no problem. This was then I had no problem. Uh, I would have no problem going up against any of them guys. Okay, when it came to, like, um, the combative part of it, like the, the hand-to-hand stuff, you know. Uh, when it came to, you know, some of the strength stuff, you know, I I, may have, I probably would have lacked on some of that stuff. Like, you know, taking weights up the hill and everything and hooking and just things like that. I may not have done good. But, you know, and I know that there's skill involved in that, too. So I'm not saying that I, you know. you know, But I used to get a kick out of these guys talking trash to each other. I'm like, man, listen to you guys. And then this guy named Hunter McIntyre came on, and I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, okay, this has got to be scripted. This guy, I'm thinking, what a clown, man. This guy cannot be real, you know. And then he ate up the field, and he did the course, and he comes back week after week. And I'm thinking, man, this guy is just, I just thought, man, this guy is something else. And then after getting into our OCR and listening to him talk and seeing him on videos and whatnot, I'm thinking, man, this is how he really is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's a good guy, no don't doubt about it. You know, but I thought maybe it was a script or something. But he is—he is everything that he says he is. You know, and um, we just—we—I—I uh, I, I thought, you know, I could do all that stuff, but the everybody, you know, wants wants their uh, jab at the. Uh, the obstacle course at the end and that was the last thing that i wanted i'm like okay the, the the broken skull obstacle course forget it i want no part of that um but then you know i had some things in life i've had things through my life happened uh that i don't really wish upon a lot of people but like uh my mother passed away when i was just before i was 21 so when I turned 21, I was off to the races. That gave me a reason to drink, you know. So I pretty much got that out of my system pretty early. Uh, my dad uh, got ill when I was 32, and that was kind of ugly. He had, a, he had a stroke, and he had no nothing written down, power of attorney, uh, living will, nothing. So here I was, you know, in the hospital. He couldn't move. I had to take his hand and uh ex you know lawyers papers so i could have you know the rights to say pull the plug or whatnot and everything and and i essentially had to do that um then when i was 38 my my older sister passed away unexpectedly she had something going on with her heart where it was uh she had some sort of hormones that were like producing adrenaline to the heart and uh she basically had a heart attack in her sleep she didn't even know that it happened it was a I forgot what it was called, but it's really, really rare, and that really took me back. Uh, I was kind of, I was kind of broken by that. And then a year ago, um, next week, my my little brother Sean, he was 39. Uh, he was home on uh, family leave because uh, my sister-in-law was pregnant with uh, their uh, second child. He has a three-year-old, and they had a five-day-old son. So Miles was five days old, and Sean went outside and uh it was something where the electrical system to his heart like an athlete just stopped and uh he he dropped dead and oh, i yeah. so i went yeah i went through uh it, that was really and i'm a, and, and i'm a man of god i'm very faithful and that one shook me really really hard and it took me a while to get back my uh my fire um i do public speaking i talk about balance in life i talk about physical emotional Um, spiritual and intellectual needs that we have and I know all the things that we need in life and I just wasn't feeling it I didn't have it in my life and I needed something and the only way that I could find any kind of peace in anything because I'd lost all this weight now and I started eating out of comfort um, I got to start exercising again and that's what led me into OCR a good friend of mine Um, that I work with, uh, lives out in Merced, California, Aaron Hess. He does Spartan races uh, religiously. And I'd been following his posts, and I figured, you know what, I I need to do something like this. I need to relearn how to set goals in life. And that's what brought me into OCR. Uh, I I just had to restart, and I had to learn how to set goals. I started listening to uh, Joe DeSena's Spartan Up Podcasts. Um, and, and thus, which led me to, you know, your podcasts and, you know, length endurance, all these podcasts, I mean, I've been listening to all these positive podcasts and just in the OCR world is just, it's unbelievable that the people are just, they're a dream. They're so, uh, uh, so, you know, complimentary to each other and they help each other out. And it, it, it's just an, it's an amazing world that is so small still, but yet just growing and I wanted to be a part of that. So, you know, it was mainly because I needed to restart my life, and I needed to start setting goals, and I figured what better way of doing it than running up mountains and mud. <laughs> so,
0: Well, that's awesome. We are glad to have you here, and I'm glad you found a nice place and a friendly community here in OCR. I think that's what, you know, us being on everyone on the inside feels that way, but it's always it's hard to get that message out sometimes, so I'm glad you found it real quick, and I have uh, fallen headfirst into the community. So what are your uh, future plans for OCR?
1: Well, my future plans are I have a um, Spartan Beast uh, that I'm training for right now. That's going to be in September. I'm uh, one week off of pulling my hamstring. I was doing some wind sprints on the treadmill and uh, felt like it tore it right in half and i'm back to light jogs now it's uh it, it's it's recovering really quick and i'm still taking an easy mile says don't you dare train hard i'm like okay i won't don't worry so um you know i'm, I'm doing that right now and uh, i'll get myself back into a uh, cardio shape for that and then the week after i'm doing um you know, the terrain race in oshkosh
0: and it, now it,
1: it's even become not even just something that i'm doing the whole family's getting involved you know my wife is at, at uh boot camp throwing tires around and it's just really crazy i'm like you're doing what she's a director of religious education and she's throwing tires around and running up hills that's awesome i know right and my little guy my little guy ran the uh kids the kids spartan up in uh, minneapolis and this is a funny story because we got there i got him at the starting line and i'm ready to go with him and everything and my wife's off to the side by the spectators and i'm getting him jacked up he's been kind of like watching what i've been doing kind of emulating it so they say to go, and I started with him, and he just takes off, and I get jogging up the hill, and I'm like, "Oh my God, I'm already tired, and I've got a race still. This is nuts! You know what am I? What have I got myself into?" So I let my wife run around and take the photos and everything, and I just kind of kept my cool, you know, and just kind of rested before I had to go out there. But the, it was the very first thing I had to do up in Minneapolis was uh the first uh hill that went up uh there was a rain delay for about three hours so it was saturated in a mud and i literally had to bear crawl uh up that first hill i could not get any kind of traction uh my fifth bed it took me two or 20 minutes to get up the first hill i was even going off course to try to grab the terrain and it was just coming out of the ground but that's where i had to dig deep and i'm like okay do i really want this or do i not i've trained hard for this so you know, those are the types of things that uh, that you face, and it's 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 a real um, it's a real positive challenge. And as far as uh, future plans, maybe fighting uh, because I keep it. I keep getting nasty. when I lost all that weight. The rumors were that I was going to fight again, and I, I kind of lent people on that it was going to happen, but it was the farthest thing from the truth. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I um I uh my little guy is in wrestling now. And I'm not going to push him, you know, I, I'm going to let him do it and enjoy it, have fun with it. So I go get, and I roll around with the kids and I do a little bit of coaching uh, with some of the coaches here in the town that I live in. And uh, we go on tournaments on weekends and do some of that stuff. Uh, I used to be a, an official for the Illinois High School Association in wrestling before I did the uh, ultimate fighting. And uh, I thought about doing that again, but the problem with that is, is that I, ne- I don't see it the same anymore. Uh, I can see somebody wrestling and putting a kid into a full Nelson, which is illegal in folk style. And I'm thinking, hey, this guy's got a pretty good move. You know, do something. (laughs) You know, so I don't don't have the, I don't know if I took too many hits. I I don't get it. I I, I can't do it anymore, you know.
0: Very interesting here in some of these early days of fighting. Have you listened to, there's a, a podcast, a 30 for 30 by ESPN, about the first days of the UFC. Have you heard that one?
1: You know what? I haven't, but I think I'm gonna watch it.
0: Yeah, so it's 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 a podcast. It's not a it's not a video, but okay. yeah, if anyone's interested in that, I think it was really good. It talks about like UFC one and how basically how, how they got all these guys into one room and then them explaining the rules and basically the event almost didn't happen and it's like you know essentially the next night. So it, it's a really interesting podcast. I think UFC itself, the especially the very first couple ones are just fascinating because it's i mean people have no idea what they're doing right like
1: the thing was Evan, too is that even when i was fighting um it was banned in most every state i mean i was jumping between states because you couldn't fight one month here or one month there i mean nobody wanted it i mean there was a politician that said what i did to jeremy horn was inhumane and it it was in the paper the next day so i mean yeah it was it was a different world back then
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Before we let you go, any final shout-outs you want to give? Family, friends, or anything like that?
1: Oh my gosh, Uh, definitely a shout-out to my wife, Kristen. I love her to death. Uh, She's the uh, wind underneath my wings. Uh, She supports me in everything that I do. Um, My children, who I hate so much. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I love love my daughter, Madeline and Emma and and Jacob. I want to give a big shout-out to my friend, Aaron uh, Hess out in uh, Merced, California, for uh, being such an inspiration to me uh, to pursue uh, OCR racing and just uh, shooting ideas at each other. A shout-out to Miles. Uh, we kind of met by accident. Uh, I friended him because he was an OCR, and he texted me, hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, how you doing? <laughs> so, we, you know, that's how that friendship started. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's about it.
0: Awesome. Well, I think that's great, and like I've talked about on this podcast before, you know the the sports built on the ninety percent of the people ninety the open wave is that makes up like ninety percent of the population for OCR, and without them and without people like you and your family participating, there would not be a sport. So, uh, personal thank you for me. Personal thank you for me, and to all the uh, open waivers out there and everyone else showing up to races because. You know, without large numbers, these races are not profitable, and without a profit, there's there is no race. Period. So, um, before I let everyone go for this podcast, uh, head over and check out Soft Lead. So, I recently wrote an article for uh, Soft Lead about quitting. Uh, You can head over to their page or look at my Facebook page; it should be on there, or my Instagram. It should be on there too. Uh, but I was also recently on their podcast talking about OCR, not only from a training perspective but also as a business perspective and kind of how I've navigated my way through some of that and how some of my experiences in the military have crossed over and affected and made uh, some of the decisions I have made for OCR. So guys at Soft Lead are, are great. If you're confused what the name Soft Lead is, it's Special Operations Forces Athlete is kind of the amalgamation is how they came up with their company name. So pretty cool company, bunch of cool guys over there. Besides having a podcast, uh, there's a blog on their website. They do apparel, and then they also do supplements. So oh, and they do training plans. So kind of like you sign up, and then they put you in. I think like an online Facebook group, and then you can actually pick what kind of training plan you want to, and it's coached by uh, special operations dudes. So pretty cool, pretty cool program they have going on over there. Check them out. Um, I know they have a big interest in starting to get more involved in the OCR community. So I think we'll be hearing some big things from them coming up in the next uh, year or two. Cool. Well, again, Mike, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for and, having me, man. Yep, and I will, uh, we'll catch up with you later. All right, bud.